I feel encouraged that we do have a growing youth participation. Some of the shows we go to, there is one or two youth kids. You know, it's kind of discouraging to go there and not have very many youth. Probably different areas of the country, they don't show paint as much or whatever. But in our area, it, it does seem to be holding its own at least. So that's good. on the rail at a jog please on the rail at a jog welcome back everyone to another episode of on the rail podcast our guest today i'm super excited to get into it we took a poll i don't know several weeks ago on my personal instagram about where everyone gets their start in the horse industry whether it's as a youth kid in any youth program 4-h ffa yetta or yeda whichever way you want to pronounce that. And if you join as an adult, vice versa, whichever way you get into the industry. So I'm super excited about this guest. And without further ado, I'll let her introduce herself. Tell us what you do and your involvement with horses over the years. Hi, my name's Cindy Hetzel. I am the Garden State Paint Club Youth Advisor. I also work for Cumberland County 4-H in the Animal Science Department. I run most of the horse shows and the horse program in our county. And I have done that for about 35 years. So I've had a lot of involvement with different youth over the years. And now their children are actually getting involved in the program. Wow. Wow. 35 years. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's been fun. It's been a long time. And I actually was just invited to work for two months until they found someone to do my job. And then I just stayed on and stayed with the job for 35 years. Wow. It's hard to, not hard, but cool to think about you seeing youth kids come up when you first started and then now having their kids go through yeah. programs. That's, that's really amazing. Yeah. That is pretty interesting to see. And you have a daughter yourself. I have two daughters and two sons and they all have gone through the program. My daughters have actually stayed with the horses and they, they ride and show in the paint shows and they all came up through 4-H. So that was a great start for them. And kind of the reason I got into it because I was there anyway at the horse shows and in the horse program and with my children. And so it, it kind of made sense for me to go ahead and, and do that and run the program because they were all involved. What has made you stick with it then for that 35 years? <laughs> I think it's always different. We have horse shows and things every year, but we try to come up with different programs that are interesting for the for the youth and pretty much whatever my horse leaders can think of, we'll try to make happen. So we've done horse expos in our county before. We've done all different kinds of horse programs, tax swaps and clinics and all different kinds of horse shows. So it's always something different and it's always kind of exciting to see the kids grow and improve and meet their potential in horses. And we actually are in a kind of an economically depressed area. So it's not like the kids are riding very expensive horses. Most of them start out with a thousand dollar horse or a free horse or whatever, and they pretty much make it what it is. So 
that's really exciting to see, to see them do really, really well with a horse that's probably not the most expensive in the world. Do many of those kids ever go on to like the breed shows or do they pretty much stay in your 4-H and just local open shows or what do you see happening there? No, we I do see a lot of the kids go on to the breed shows and a lot of them have moved on to some hunter jumper things, pony club and different things like that. 4-H is a great foundation and a great starting point for kids, but there are several, probably more now than there used to be moving on to the breed shows. That's really fascinating because we just hear about how much the participation is declining in breed shows. And I think we'll get into that later in the interview. So it's neat to see that you do see that step being made from those 4-H kids to breed shows. Yeah. Were you, I guess, in your youth years, were you into horses or was it because your kids got interested or what was your involvement prior? I actually got a pony for Christmas when I was five. My uncle gave it to me. And my, my father had had horses and he had shown when he was growing up, but I got a pony and then it kind of just snowballed from there. So then we moved up and we got horses and we started showing. Then I've always had horses. So when I got married, my horses came with me. That was kind of a stipulation. And I've always had horses. And even if my kids weren't interested, I think I would still always have horses. Have your daughters always been horse crazy like us normal horse crazy girls and your son's? Kind yeah, of not so well, my, much. <laughs> my one son, he showed pleasure mostly. My other son did team penning and gaming a lot. So they kind of went with the flow and they kind of realized that that's where the girls were. So that was a good place <laughs> to be. <laughs> the girls have always been very interested in horses. I don't know if I would call it horse crazy, but I guess they just grew up with it and they just kind of, they just like horses and, you know, they enjoy showing and they enjoy seeing a horse meet their potential. So I guess that that, that qualifies as being horse crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so can you give us kind of like a in-depth look at what it's like for you primarily working with youth in the industry, specifically those involved in the breed show side of things as well as you know, as well as your 4-H kids too? Okay. I have a great bunch of breed show youth kids that I work with. And again, I don't know that there's very many of them that are really wealthy and, you know, they pretty much, they have really nice horses, but they really take them to their full potential and they put a lot of time and effort into their horses. So that really shows the same thing with the, the 4-H kids. That's, that's kind of a, it's very neat seeing a kid starting out with a pony or maybe borrowing a horse or whatever and working their way up to being an actual show competitor and being very competitive in the show pen. And, and even if they don't want to show to go on and trail ride or whatever, work with their horses, it's really interesting to see them put the time in and get the results from the time that they put in. So I think that's, uh, you know, that's kind of rewarding. And through the years, I've seen a lot of kids start out and really make a lot of progress. You see a lot of progress. So that's, that's really interesting. Would you say that for your 4-H club does a very good job on helping these kids learn how to progress their own horses? I dabbled in 4-H very briefly as a youth kid, actually, before I even had horses, but it seems very dependent on like the quality of your instruction. So have you had 
the ability to have like good instruction for these kids and stuff. So they can have so much success with their horses or is that where you come in and help with that? Or how does that work? I do try to get a lot of clinicians and we have a lot of people, trainers in this area that will offer their services for free or very inexpensively for us to have clinics. The big challenge is to get the kids that really need it to show up and, and take advantage of the instruction. Sometimes that doesn't happen, but we do try our best to give them a good foundation. I do run a horse camp in the summertime where kids bring their horses to the fairgrounds and they just live there and no parents are allowed to be involved because that's where the kids show the most improvement. I think when they have to do everything on their own, they have to saddle, they have to feed, they have to clean stalls, they have to do everything by themselves. And there's always an amazing improvement at the end of horse camp when the kids have kind of bonded with their horses and realized that they can do all that on their own. So, you know, we have a clinicians that come in and work with them all during the horse camp and pretty much teach them what they want to learn. So that's kind of what we do. You know, we kind of do a survey and find out what the kids want to learn about. And I think that if they're interested, then they really soak up the information and really it makes a big difference. This is all bringing back my own personal memories from my 4-H years. I was nine years old to 18, full 4-H, <laughs> loved every minute of it. I think personally, from my background, I think that's just where I grew and just fell in love with the entire sport. And that's how I got into my breed show love of things too. But talking about horse camp, that's like, that's just throwing me back to when I was you know, <laughs> 14, 15, and we were just living at the fairgrounds. Yeah. And nobody talks about that either is like you create those memories, those fun times with your friends doing the same thing for an entire week. No parents. Yeah, just good stuff. And and the kids still, I mean, I have kids 40 years old that still talk about horse camp and things that they did at horse camp. You know, it's really, yeah. I think where the kids really bond. And, you know, like I said, they really get, they bond with the horses. One, one year at horse camp, we had a equine communicator talk to the horses. Oh, fine. And, that would be cool. Oh my gosh. The kids, well, actually we did it two years. The kids loved it. And it was amazing. The different things that they told them that their horses said. And I can't, I, I can't really say I was a believer at the beginning of it, but some of the things that the horses told the kids, it was just totally amazing. There's no way they could have known that, that you no, know, anybody could have known that. Yeah. I'm yeah. always fascinated by those people and I have never tried one and it's hard to kind of get behind it in a way or like, you know, logically think that it makes right. any sense, but right. I have, you know, like talked to people that are like, there's no way they would have known something like that. And to do it like with a room full of kids and different horses. And I can imagine, you know, like what even those horses may. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally, totally amazing. But that was really fun. But we, we tried, you know, whatever the kids say, Hey, we'd like to do, you know, whatever we try to make it happen. So if it's, if it's possible, try to make it happen. And it's always fun. It's always interesting to see the different ways that camp goes every year. How many kids do you typically have at a camp in the summertime? Well, it could be anywhere from 20 to 40. We oh, have 40 wow. stalls at our fairgrounds. So that's our limit. We can have 40 kids. So we've had that many. And we always take them to Cowtown Rodeo on Saturday night for our, our trip. And last year, actually, we went to the Devon Horse Show instead. But it's always a, always a great time. <laughs> we've done everything from sleep in army tents to 
we have a building that they they sleep in now, so it's it's really fun. The camper sometimes or whatever. We have done all different things through the years, but it's always been fun. So working with youth kids obviously is very rewarding, but is there anything that sticks out to you? Like what's the best part about helping the youth of our industry? I think it's seeing them progress and learn and get better. That's always a big goal. And sometimes there are, I have had kids that I thought, mm, I don't know what's going to happen with this. But then if they stick with it and they soak up the information, I think that's the one of the biggest things is if the kids take advantage of the information that's provided, you always see growth. And it's really fun to see the kids progress and, and go on to be very successful. So do you have an example just off the top of your head of like a memory of one of these kids that progressing or meeting a goal? Was it like it something with writing or was it their knowledge around horses or, I mean, I'm sure over the years you've done and seen it all, but is there one that stands out to you that way? There's several, but I have, there's one little girl that started out. We have a club called Dream Riders. It's for kids that don't have horses, but love horses and want to learn about them. Mm-hmm. And she started out when she was maybe in kindergarten or something and went through the program and she kind of borrowed different horses and rode different people's horses and eventually got horses of her own and turned out to be a very excellent rider. And she's actually not working in the horse industry, but she still does have horses. And I think she was she was a good example of, of kids that really loved horses and any way she could, she rode and was very successful at it. So I have one girl right now in the, in the uh, youth club who started out showing, just showing harder horses and didn't want to ride. Well, then as she progressed, she eventually started riding. And now she's, I mean, she's showing at the world show. She's doing an excellent wow. job and a very, very successful equestrian. So there's a lot of different, a lot of different examples yeah. of kids that horses have really kind of saved. If you kind of want to look at that, I mean, I have some girls that kind of a rocky home life and, they got into horses and they never really had horses of their own, but they always rode other people's and it kind of kept them, kind of kept them grounded and kept them going on the straight and narrow a little bit. So I think that that was, that was kind of a saving thing for them. It was kind of something for them to hold on to. And the people that were involved with horses kind of took them under their wing and kind of helped them out. And that, that was a good, good foundation for them to, to go on and, and be successful. Yeah. Those are tremendous stories. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, wow, I want to go do this now. (laughs) (laughs) So with that being said, what's been the biggest struggle, I guess, and maybe in the past or even presently, what, what has been the biggest struggle for the youth kids? Financially, there's always a struggle because like I said, this is a economically depressed area. We do have tax swaps and different things that help out. I think the struggle is getting the parents support sometimes, getting to the events and the transportation and things like that. And of course, everybody always wants better tack, nicer horse, whatever. But it's kind of sometimes a struggle to make sure everybody has what they need. We have a lot of people that donate different tack and things like that. So we kind of distribute that clothes and tack and different things to the members. And, you know, so that's a big help, but I think, I think a lot of times getting the parents to buy into the whole program, that's probably one of the biggest struggles 
as much as the kids would like to participate without their parents' support, they can't really participate. So that is sometimes a problem. How have you been able to bridge the gap? I say financially, you know, that's one of the biggest issues I think in the horse industry right now is like, it's just so dang expensive. So (laughs) over the years, how have you managed to bridge the gap for these kids to keep them involved and keep their parents kind of on board and also make it economically feasible for them? Well, we do a lot of fundraising. What we do in 4-H, we sell shavings. So we only make like 25 cents a bag off of them. But through the years, we sell tractor trailer loads, probably like six tractor trailer loads of shavings or more a year. So that helps pay for our horse shows and things like that. So we only charge a day fee of like $25 for the horse shows, maybe 30. And our 4-H kids get a coupon for $5 off. So it's like $25. So that makes it feasible for people and easy for people to come to our shows. That's their day fee. They can come show all day for $25 and get ribbons and trophies and things like that. So that makes it doable for people, I think. And when you talk to a lot of other places, I mean, the day fees are $100 or more a day or $25 or $30 a class sometimes. So I think that that helps. And because we do the shavings, it's not it's not a burden on families to have to do fundraising. So it kind of gives them shavings at a discount that they would normally not have to pay at a feed store. And we make money to help pay for the horse shoes. So it kind of, uh, it's a win for everybody. Yeah, that's an outside the box idea. Yeah, yeah. With the youth club, the same thing, the the Peyton Youth Club, we sell mums and most amazing thing in the world. The moms, we just put it on Facebook and they fly out the door. Like we make a lot of money off of selling moms in the fall and we sell flowers in the spring. So there are two big fundraisers and we make a lot of money. Like we take the kids to the leadership conference in Fort Worth, Texas, and we pay a lot of those, those fees. So it's not so expensive for the families. We do a lot of different fun things. We go bowling. We do have picnics. We do different things with the youth club and the club pays for all that. So it's not such a a burden on the families. And the same thing, like next weekend, we're going in 4-H, we're going to medieval times. So we did a lot of fundraising, even though the medieval times tickets are a little pricey, the bus was really going to cost us a fortune. So we did all the fundraising for the bus to pay for the bus. So that didn't cost anything so that kids could afford to go and buy their tickets for medieval times. So you just have to kind of, yeah, be creative sometimes. <laughs> and the fundraising we did for that, we did a road cleanup. So we made money from that. We just did a soup sale. We did pictures with Santa. So all those fundraising type things that didn't really cost families money kind of helped to pay for the bus. Very creative ideas. Mm-hmm. You have to be sometimes you have to be creative when you're dealing with the kind of the area that we live in. Well, I know a lot of clubs struggle with funding for different things as right. we all do. And there's a million clubs out there seeking donations and stuff. And so people get tired of being hit up. So I know it's always an ever evolving process of trying to come up with new creative ideas to raise money. And it sounds like you guys really do a great job up there. That's we try. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting to, to come up with. And it always makes my life interesting because we do different things all the time. It's not always the same old thing. So I assume you like trial things. And if it works, it works. You keep going with it. If not, you revamp and do something. But you're like selling mums and that and your shavings. You know, that's like every year you do that because it, it works and people expect it. Yeah. 
we haven't been able to do it since the pandemic, but we did have a pancake breakfast and a tax swap that turned out to be something huge. It was huge. And uh, people look forward to that every year. So that was a great fundraiser for us. But like I said, since since COVID hit, we haven't been able to do that. But hopefully we'll get back to that. I always love a good pancake breakfast. Yeah, it's that's it's really fun because the kids really get involved in serving and helping cook and all that. So it's kind of a, a learning experience for them, you know, doing that also while they're making money. Since you work on both the 4-H side and the breed show kid side, do you see the transition there seamlessly or is there any, you know, you hear sometimes about 4-H people not appreciating the breed show people because they don't want them encroaching on their space and then vice versa in a way, which is, it's always hearsay. And, but do you notice any of that or your kids are pretty much just used to that transition or how does it work for you guys? Well, a lot of the kids are some of the same kids. They they tend to move up into the breed shows, so they're not so separated that way. But I do try to, we do a lot of community service in the Garden State Paint Club, and we do try to focus a lot on helping 4-H kids. We do our youth clinic that's coming up in March. It's the No Bling Fling weekend, so it's a big clinic. And we pretty much target 4-H kids and, and invite them to come to the clinic. And then the second day is a horse show. It's a specialty show and it has open classes and paint classes. So it, and it's not too expensive. So we try to encourage 4-H kids to come because it's a good experience for them. Some of them riding in the indoor in the first time or riding in a paint show setting for the first time. And a lot of the 4-H kids ride paint horses, even though they don't show paint. So we're trying to encourage them to come to the paint show, you know, so that maybe, maybe at some point they'll decide to go ahead and show paint because they're already riding paints. So, so I kind of encourage a lot of crossover between the two clubs and try to, to get the paint kids to think about providing opportunities for the 4-H kids to move up into that, that area make it enticing for them. Yeah. yeah. How do you keep your show fees so low? We get a lot of sponsors. <laughs> yeah. The kids, the kids really do a great job getting sponsors. So that helps pay for the arena and, you know, judges and things like that. So that helps makes it more affordable. We did at one point, at one time we, when we started out with the clinics, we did a super clinic and we had different trainers from the area donated their services and so we provided maybe five or six different clinicians that were area trainers, and they kind of specialized in different things. You know, somebody did showmanship, somebody did trail, somebody did horsemanship, and they they provided their services for free. So we charged very minimal amount of money just to pay for the arena for that, that clinic. And now we've kind of moved up to a, a little bit more intense clinic, but still it's not, not real expensive. Just a lot of great ideas and yeah. Yeah. Like the whole industry can learn from you guys a lot on how <laughs> to get these kids interested and then progress them. You know, if we want to get them into the breed show world, come to the dark side, I guess. It's like how to <laughs> involved and let them get and in, you know, involved in the breed show side of things. So, right, right. So we've touched on your youth paint horse club. Can you kind of Tell us how you got that started and what it's kind of turned into over the 
couple years or not couple years, but over the years, um, <laughs> the decade, couple decades. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, my older daughter wanted to get into the paint youth club so bad. And she tried to find one around this area and, and she just couldn't find one that was active. So she pretty much begged me to start a youth club. And that was like in 2004, 2005. And so we kind of got started and we were kind of slow to start. But then we got more kids involved and AJPHA has a program. It's called Club of the Year. And they have a whole outline of different things that you have to do to complete this entry. And you have to do some community service. You have to do non-horse related events. You have to do some education. There's a whole criteria. So we pretty much followed that whole criteria for the club and it just worked. I mean, we did a lot of community service. We did education. Just yesterday, we had a nutrition seminar that, that uh, the Garden State Paint Youth sponsored. So we tried to follow that criteria, and it's made our club very successful. I don't really know this for factual information, but I was told by the, the American Paint Horse Youth Advisor that our club was the most active in the country. And we have won the Club of the Year awards several years in a row. So, and just mainly by trying to follow that outline and do a little bit of everything that it is in on that outline. So, and it's kind of worked for us. What are your youth numbers like in your club? I probably have maybe 25-ish youth kids, but they're not all active because some of them live in Delaware, some of them in Pennsylvania, some, you know, they don't live close but we try to have at least two meetings a year at the horse show so that those kids can participate. But I have a, a group of maybe 15 real active kids that are that are pretty local, you know, within an hour and a half. So they come to the meetings. We have meetings every month and we do some different activities. So they, you know, pretty much show up the meetings. We have the meetings at a diner usually. So kind of kills two birds with one stone. They can eat their dinner and have a meeting at the same time. Everybody loves to eat. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that makes it, you know, it makes it worth the parents bringing the kids and, and they hang out and eat dinner. And so that works out well. Do you see good youth numbers at your shows then too? They are growing. Yes. I mean, they're for Which a while. tremendous we were, right now, yeah, if you can even yeah. say that. Yeah. We were down to maybe five or six youth, maybe six or eight youth members, but youth club the numbers have really grown here in the last couple of years, which is really nice to see when you have full classes. And it's really encouraging because if we don't have the youth members, you know, at some point we're going to be in trouble, but, but they really, really have grown. So that's good. So that's one of the biggest issues is almost universally youth numbers are declining everywhere. So what would you say you guys are doing differently that your numbers are growing? Obviously you have very active clubs. Is that, you know, just getting them involved otherwise? Is that what's paying off for you guys or? Well, I, I think we try to be really friendly at the, at the shows and try to hmm. provide things for yeah, love members, that. you know, to <laughs> yeah. make it fun to come to the shows. And people will always say that our shows are fun. They like to come and participate. So I think that helps. I'm not really sure. I, I think it's not, I mean, it's a very competitive show, but it's fun competitive, you know? So it's not, there's kids riding very expensive horses that don't talk to anybody else. Everybody's very friendly. Everybody talks to everybody and cheers everybody on. So I think that's a good environment for the the whole show. We did a couple of years ago, we, we did a drawing for any new 
youth kids that were just showed the paint shows for the first year. And we drew, did a drawing and we, we gave away a, a work saddle. So for kids that participated that, I don't know if that drew anybody, but it seemed to, to drum up some interest for the whole youth program. I do find it. I just have this little snippet and I don't think people talk about it enough. I think it's gets dismissed more often than we actually talk about it, but the atmosphere and like the entire vibe of a show, I think is very important. And the fact that you guys are welcoming and you invite people to come participate and like, maybe that work saddle didn't draw new people in, but you're appreciating the members that you do have. And I think that says a lot as well, which would entice me as a non-paint person to be like, hmm, maybe I should look into paints, which now I'm contemplating because that sounds nicer than coming or going to some of these quarter horse shows where like we are in a straight line and nobody merges the lines or blurs them at all ever. You're just down a line. You know what I mean? So I think it does get dismissed a little too often about the atmosphere and environment that a show creates. Mm-hmm. So kudos to you guys. Yeah. I think showing in different states and different places. I think that's true. I mean, I've been to shows where you feel like you're not really welcome and then other shows where everybody's friendly and everybody's welcoming and that that's a much nicer environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I've always been saying this, always been saying this lately, but in the last few years, I'm like, it costs nothing to just be a friendly human, you know, like at shows like that literally costs nothing. It was like, just smile at people for God's sakes, right, right. <laughs> go a long ways. Right. And I think showing at paint shows for the first time is very intimidating you feel like, you know, maybe you don't really belong there. Mm-hmm. Maybe your horse is not good enough. Maybe your clothes are not nice enough or whatever. So I think just being welcoming and being friendly to people, telling them they did a good job or whatever. And I try to in, impress that on my kids, my youth kids, be friendly to everybody. Let's have a welcome party. We put out donuts and hot chocolate for everybody on the night they get there, or just talk to different people. And, uh, make them feel like they're welcome. So I think that my youth kids are really good at that. They're really good at being nice to people and, and being friendly to people. So I think that helps. It sounds like it's like culture you have established in your area, <laughs> which is obviously paying off. So yeah, it's good. Good to hear about. For yeah. Everybody. Because we, we have a lot of youth kids that come down from Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and a lot of the new England states up from Virginia to our, our paint shows. So it's worth them traveling that far to come there. And they always say they have a nice time there. So that's really good. So you guys have your own event. Is that correct? Yes. And so can you take us maybe down that path, like how you created this event and what it is and everything that it entails? Okay. So we have the our no bling fling. It's in March and it's kind of a not really a hairy horse show, but kind of a hairy horse show. But we do the first day is the clinic and we bring in clinicians and we're doing showmanship, horsemanship and ranch this year. We have done different things. We've done trail. We've done different things. But this year's ranch and ranch is seems to be a big thing in this area. It's kind of a cool event because you don't have to have your horse all clipped in and everything. You don't have to have uh, fancy tack or fancy clothes. So you can, can go in the, in those classes and people really like that. That seems to be a niche for middle-aged women, but we have a lot of youth kids that are doing ranch also. 
so we we have the clinic on Saturday, and then we have the specialty show on Sunday, which is we have holders and showmanships, pleasure, and horsemanship, and the ranch classes. So for specialty shows, you're only allowed to have certain number of classes out of each division, kind of. So we have the specialty show, but we also put the open classes in there. So we have it's open to any breed. So it's it's a fun show. It's like I said, it's kind of a no bling show. And it's in March. It's in the indoor, but it's last year it snowed. It's always a really fun show. We we put our shamrock benefit class in there, which this year will be showmanship. And the benefit of uh, the person who wins the class gets to pick the charity that the benefit goes, money goes to. So we've had several different charities that have benefited from that in the past years. And we just try to keep it kind of a nice, fun atmosphere. And we give away prizes throughout the day. We don't necessarily give prizes to first place. We'll pick one of the other places in the class and maybe fourth place will get the prize in in a class or fifth place will get the prize or everybody gets something, you know, so it makes it kind of fun. That's pretty much it. But through the years, we it's kind of evolved from a clinic. We used to do a youth show at the our Fourth of July show. It kind of it kind of works out better to do it on its own in March. It's kind of a show to get ready, everybody ready for the show season and getting the starting to get their horses out and, and get them ready. It's a good place for kids that are just starting out to come show and try it out for the year. And our youth kids all get involved in helping and and whatnot. So it, it just works out for us and it works out as a good fundraiser and a good good show. I have two questions on it so people can learn from you. And the no bling side, that applies to the paint show or the breed show classes too. Is that yes. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have to stay within, you know, the rules of showing, but do you see people embrace the no bling then for even the breed classes and kind of what's your, I'm sure you don't have like hard rules about what you can't wear, but what do people usually show in then? Well, we don't say that you absolutely cannot use your bling and some people (laughs) do, you know, Mm -hmm. because some people wouldn't be caught dead without their, their silver saddles and their show clothes. But, but if you, you know, if it's cold and you wear a jacket, a regular jacket, that's fine. Or, Sometimes people wear jeans or they don't, they don't bring out their best clothes all the time. You know, everybody dresses neat and clean and their tack is neat and clean, but you might use your work saddle instead of your good saddle, or, you know, you might not worry so much about having your horse body clipped or whatever. It could be a little hairy and that's okay. It's just more of a laid back atmosphere than normal shows. And then when the, with the prizes you guys give away, do you do fundraising and buy those prizes? Are they donated or how do you get the prizes for your club? Fundraising, we do gift cards and we do, this year we have some giveaways, like some halters and banding kits and different things like that. So it's kind of a combination of both. You know, we get some donated. We do, we get a lot donated from area tax shops and a lot of companies give us a lot of samples like Pirano or Main and Tail or different companies will send us samples and things like that, that we use as goodie bags and to give out. So that's really helpful. How has the clinic evolved over the years? Was that always part of this event and horse show to do a clinic like on the first day and then do the show the next day? And do you think that helps in the numbers? No, we always, we used to just do a horse show and we did 
do a horse show at our local fairgrounds, which was always a little hairy because you were kind of at the mercy of the weather. Then we started doing the clinic that stood, it was a standalone clinic. And then we decided let's make it a weekend and just do the clinic and the horse show and kind of see kids can learn from the clinic and apply it at the horse show. So that's kind of what it's kind of evolved into through the years, but it really works and everybody seems to like it. And it's the first time everybody gets out for the season. So, you know, they're all excited about that. Mm-hmm. Everybody's fresh and ready to go. Yeah. And then, at the, <laughs> then at the end of the year when we're all like dying and dragging. Yeah. 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 That's smart. So it sounds like you really see a pretty robust participation and your youth kids up in your part of the world. Do you see decline elsewhere in other clubs or just your club or it's geographically you guys are just doing great? Well, and I wouldn't say we're doing great, but I I feel encouraged that we do have a growing youth participation. Some of the shows we go to, there is one or two youth kids. You know, it's kind of discouraging to go there and not have very many youth, probably different areas of the country. They don't show paint as much or whatever. But in our area, it, it does seem to be holding its own at least. So that's good. And and growing. I mean, I definitely have seen a, a growth in the youth program in the last five, six years. So that's good. And we'll hope just hope with fuel prices and different inflationary prices that it stays that way. But so far, so good. So on that note, do you have any thoughts on and maybe not even youth alone, but do you have any thoughts on how to help our shrinking industry as a whole? And then what are some ways that you feel we can improve to even help the participation youth, of course, but any type of of participation, you, you guys seem to have like a very good way of fundraising and creative ideas to bring them in, but what are your thoughts as the whole industry in itself? Well, it's disturbing that of course, with open spaces going away and things like that. It's getting harder and harder to find places to keep horses. I am a part of the uh, delegate for the equine advisory board. And I know across the whole industry, this is a problem. The horse industry is shrinking. And of course here in New Jersey, the horse is the state animal and we have a big, pretty big racing industry here. So trying to keep that all together is definitely a focus of the equine advisory board. I really kind of at a loss of what to do to, I think one of the things is we just need to keep our representatives informed of the value of the horses on the whole economy of the, of the country. I mean, horses, there is a, they're a big industry. They have a lot of fringe industries that are beneficial down to, you know, veterinarians, car dealer, truck dealers, trailer dealers, different farmers growing hay and feed and things like that. So horses have a big economic impact on the whole country. And I think people need to understand that. But I think that if we can make, if we can make horses more affordable to enjoy and make sure that there's open spaces for trail riding, there are places to show locally and things like that to make it easier for people to enjoy horses, I think that will be a help. It, that's a, it's a really it's a tough problem. <laughs> I know. I I think that I don't know the the horse industry is is 
always going to be there, I believe, but it just seems to get the re- have the respect that it deserves, I think, on the the economics of, of the country. And I think 4-H and, you know, the youth clubs and things like that are a good, a good way to start to get the kids a foundation in the horse program that are not going to break the bank. You know, people don't need to go out and and spend millions of dollars to get their kids involved in horses. And I think that's another message that we need to spread. We have a lot of stables in this area that do a good job giving riding lessons. You don't have to own your own horse. And they even lease horses for kids to show and things like that. So that's kind of a good place for people to start to get their kids involved without making a huge financial investment in in getting a horse. So, you know, getting that message out maybe would be beneficial also. That's one thing that I've been kind of trying to talk about in the last year or two with, you know, this declining youth participation in the industry and then the hot button subjects of whether amateurs should give lessons and whatnot. But it was like, we need to focus on one, obviously having a, an avenue for non-horse people to get involved, you know, make that barrier very small. And then behind that, have a nurture sequence in place to embrace these kids and let them stay involved and give them a place to go and grow and nurture them while they progress up to the breed show level. If that's our ultimate goal as the industry is to get them into breed shows and whatnot. And it sounds like you guys are just doing a really good job of providing a nurturing sequence. Like there's a, there's a place and a level for kids, you know, through the whole like spectrum of just beginning plus getting ultimately getting into breed shows if that's where they want to go. Right. Right. Well, I, I think I, I have the 4-H club at the dream riders club, like I had mentioned before for kids that love horses, but don't have horses and may never have a chance to have a horse, but that is a great place for kids to start. We take them to a local stable probably four times a year or maybe five times for riding lesson. And a lot of the kids from that point have continued on on their own at riding lessons there and actually gone on to lease a horse and gone on to show and from that point. So I think more programs like that maybe would be beneficial to get kids involved because there does seem to be a lot of of interest to kids that, but you know, they just parents cannot even imagine how they would ever get their kid a horse. They live in a development or whatever, and they have no idea how to go about getting them involved in horses. So that's kind of a, a stepping stone for kids to to get involved. And it has worked out in the past, you know, with some of the kids that I've been involved with. Do you do some of outreach and education on the parent side too? Oh yeah. Yeah. I always try to encourage them, you know, if their kid does show an interest in riding, I try to encourage them to, to try to sign up for riding lessons and to try to bring them out to the barn. And because that would, the one particular barn that we go to a lot, it's kind of like a family atmosphere. You know, the kids, once they get going there, they tend to get dropped off and stay all day Saturday, or they're there all the time, or they help clean stalls or whatever. So it's kind of a whole atmosphere of the kids getting involved in horses. And the parents really love it once the kids get involved, because they didn't even realize that that type of thing existed. Yeah. It seems like parents that aren't involved in the horse industry yet, they either don't know anything about it or how to even get started or where to go or what they do know is that, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. There's, like you said, they live in town and they don't think there's a way to be involved 
without living out in the country and owning your own horse, you know, having your own horse in your backyard. Right. So, um, yeah, interesting thoughts. Oh, my dogs. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, horses definitely are a good stepping stone for kids to go on and do a lot of things in life. But yeah, that's valid. Mm-hmm. Well, as we kind of begin to wrap up here, do you have any last closing thoughts for us or anything we haven't touched on that you want to make sure people know? I think that horses, although they're expensive, they're way cheaper than therapy. So I think they're a great place <laughs> for kids to be. And uh, through the years, I've seen a lot of kids that, you know, have that has really benefited. Kids will come into a program shy and quiet, not even talking, and, and they leave, you know, very successful, oftentimes professionals. And I think that the horse industry really is a benefit to kids and it really helps them out a lot. And, and plus, it's really fun working with the kids and seeing them grow and progress. It's definitely super cool to, like Jenna said in the beginning, just you seeing these youth kids come up and now their kids are coming to get that same mentorship from you. It's pretty awesome. So kudos for a great program. Well, thank you. We try. (laughs) Yeah, I think this will provide a lot of value to people. I know we're all kind of scratching our head on ways to get kids involved, keep them involved. It's like, it's one thing to flash a horse in front of a crazy, you know, a horse crazy girl, but how do you get them involved and keep them involved as they grow up and grow through it? So we really try to encourage people to not get horses that are going to kill their kids. That's what, that's probably <laughs> what the challenge is. Like people, I, they'll always say, Oh, I want to, I want a young horse to grow up with my child. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. no, that's not a good idea. <laughs> try to get the oldest half dead horse that you can to get them started. And so you don't scare them to death. And, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's always funny. But that's that's kind of a yeah mentality that you have to kind of combat a lot of times. <laughs> yes, I it's it's sad how often you do see that. And unfortunately, though, it's well, maybe this is a valid question for you is how do you connect people with horses that are not completely green broke, but are still affordable? Because that's always a barrier is these ones that are broke, you know, and kind of been there, done that. And sometimes they're the more expensive ones too. True. Well, horses tend to get handed around somewhat, you know, sometimes one child's done with a horse and another kid is coming up and they, they need a horse of that caliber. So they kind of get handed either loaned, freely sold very inexpensively or whatever. So I'm trying to always be on the lookout. For horses. And in my job, I get a lot of people, they think we're the SPCA, you know, they call the 4-H office all the time. They have a horse they need to get rid of, or they want to sell inexpensively, or they just want to rehome or whatever. So we have a lot of that. And I can place them a lot of times with kids that are looking for a horse, but they can't really afford something expensive or anything. So that kind of comes in handy sometimes in my position that I have those contacts and can find things. Of course, there are a, a lot of kids around here that that are riding off the track thoroughbreds. Contrary to what people think, a lot of the thoroughbreds are very calm and quiet because they're, you know, they've been handled quite a lot. A lot of kids do ride ride them off the track thoroughbred program, you know, different programs, prizes and things like that. So that's an option. 
you know, they just, horses just seem to pop up. I always tell people not to be patient. Don't go by the first thing you see because something will come along. And usually then will come along that's not too expensive. Mm-hmm. Words of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Cindy, thank you for your time today. We really appreciate you chatting with us. And I know this will, like I said, provide value to a lot of club leaders, youth advisors, parents, people just trying to, you know, mm-hmm. we're always, we're all in this together. So <laughs> we appreciate it. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, it was fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, thank you. All right, that'll be your class. Bring them in and line them up.